Okay. Come on, I ain't never going to get done if we don't get rolling. Let's start in chapter, let's just start reading. Verse 1. Uh, it says, After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was nigh. Now mark that the Passover. Remember the last time? When was the last time we saw the Passover was near? It was around chapter two. Right? So that means a year has passed between chapter 2 and chapter 3. Passover, Feast of the Jews was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and he saw the great company, a great multitude of people come to him, he said to Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? Where are we going to buy food for all these people? And then verse 6 gives us his, his thinking. He says, And this he said to prove him. What does prove him mean? To test Philip. He said this to test Philip, because he, for he himself knew what he would would do. So the, this gospel, this section starts with the feeding of the five thousand, and the other gospels. I'm just going to throw these out there. You can write them down, look them up later if you want to. From Mark six thirty one, I'm going to read it to you. We know that the, at this point in time, the disciples were tired and they were hungry. They had been working in ministry all day long, and they hadn't ever had time to eat. Mark six. 31 says, And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves, as Jesus talking to them, apart, get apart in a desert place and rest a while, for there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. In Mark 6, it's the same thing, it's the same episode right here. We also know that the disciples wanted to send the crowd away. In Luke 9, the, the disciples said, Jesus, you need to send this crowd away because we, you know, we can't feed them. They need to go to their own houses and, and buy food. So it's not just the, this story about Jesus feeding the 5,000, and I'm kind of rambling because y'all know the story. You know what's going to happen. You know, the five loaves and two fish. The little boy is going to come and Jesus is going to multiply the food and feed all the people. But a lot of times we think of this story as like Jesus will just multiply and, and all our blessings and feed us. And, and, and I don't think, I mean, you could say that and it is true in a certain sense. But I think the point of the story is where he's testing Philip. Because he already knew what he was going to do. And he says, he says, where are we going to buy bread for all these people? Where are we going to buy food? And Philip, Philip and Andrew give two answers that really encapsulate the way that we think. Okay? For instance, let me, all right, let me slow down. When you got something going on in your life, you always will. If you don't have something right now, then something's coming. So when you have something, there's suffering in this world, there's tragedy, there's loss, there's situations that you go through, whatever it is. When you have something that you go through, you we can respond in various ways. We can respond with fear, worry. We can respond just thinking it's impossible. Or we can respond with trust in Christ, knowing that He has everything under His control. You remember? 
remember Romans when we did Romans 8 where it says all things work together for good to those who love God and those who are called according to His purpose? Um, that's easy to say as I'm standing here because I'm not going through anything right now. You know, It's easy for me to, to uh, shout that from the rooftops that God has got everything in control. We don't need to worry. Let's just rock on. It's different when you're actually going in the midst of trial and it's, it's something that you have to fight to hold on to. It's something, it's a foundation that you have to fight because everything in you, everything in your heart, everything in your mind, everything that the world tells you, it says it's not going to be okay. It's not going to be fine. Everything's not under control. There's no way out of this situation. And so we have to fight. We have to actually struggle and war to keep our, to keep our trust on the fact that Christ has everything under control. So look at how these two disciples responded. Verse 7, it says, Jesus asked them, well, Jesus asked them in 5 and 6, how are we going to feed this crowd? And he did this to test them because he already knew what he was going to do. Okay, so Philip says, Philip says, 200 penny worth, which is denarii, which is the real word, which is probably about a day's wages. So 200 days wages of bread, that much money is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. How much is 200 days is what? Three-fourths of a year, maybe, something like that? So how much would three-fourths of a year's wage be? Let's say you made 30 grand a year. You know, it'd be, what, 20 grand? See, if we had $20,000, we're talking there back in their time, would be, if you had $20,000, that's just if you made 30 grand a year, that's not enough money to feed all those people. There's 5,000 men, not counting women, not counting children. Some people have said that it could be upwards of 25,000 people out in this crowd. You know, they, These guys have two kids. They have three kids. This guy's married and kids. This guy, you know, Who knows how many people, but it was way more than 5,000 for sure. And so Philip answered. He said, basically, he says it's impossible. It can't be done. Even even if we had a truckload, I was going to say something else, but my mama's been getting on to me for using crossfire. If we had, yeah, you're right. If we had a truckload of money, we couldn't feed these people. How, how often do we respond that way to Christ? Like, okay, you know, you lose your job, your house burns down, you lost a loved one, you, you pick, your, pick your tragedy, pick your heartache that you're going through, pick your trial in life, whatever, and everything inside of you, everything inside of you, everything the world tells you, everything that your mind conceives of says it's impossible. I'm never going to stop feeling this way. I'm never going to get over this. I'm never, my life is coming to an end. I'm never going to survive what's going on. I'm never going to get rid of all this pain. I'm never going to get rid of all this hurt. I'm never going to get rid of all this whatever it is. Um, this is what Philip's mindset was. He was a bean counter. He was. He tried to reason everything. He tried to rationalize everything. This kind of the way that I am. Um, Brother Eddie and I have had many conversations where he says, we're going to do this, and I'm holding up the ledger going, no, we can't do this. Look, look. 
math doesn't lie. You can't do it, you know. And we end up doing it, and God blesses, and I'm like, okay, I'm an idiot. You know? I mean, so that's kind of the way I find myself sometimes is that I want it all planned out. I want it reasoned out. And if I don't know the plan, I'm scared. If I don't know how it's going to, you know, it's like, God, I trust you, but tell me what you're going to do just so I know, okay? Because I can't walk blindly through not knowing what's going to happen. I, I need a plan. I need to understand what's going on. And God, more often than not, doesn't work that way. His way is you take a step and I'll guide your next step. And when you're ready, when, when, when the time comes for me to provide this for you, I'll have it ready for you. You know, and that's not, that's not the way I have to fight against that just myself because I want to know where it's coming from and I want to be, you know, I'm secure when I know five months down the road what's going to happen and how I'm going to get it. See what I mean? Some of y'all may be that same way too. This is the way Philip was. He was like, can't be done. We can't feed him. Even if, even if we miracled up all this money, we couldn't, we wouldn't have enough money to feed him. The second disciple, Andrew, verse 8 says, and y'all just say something if you want to. Talk. Lift your hand. You don't even have to lift your hand. Just yell out. Okay, don't then. Fine. I'll just keep on. Verse 8 says, one of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said unto him, there is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fish. His fishes. But what are they among so many? Now, we're getting a little better, but he's kind of the same way, isn't he? Isn't he? The difference between these two is that he brought what he had. But he, he didn't believe any more than Philip did, did he? He was like, I mean, this is all we got. I think, a matter of fact, he was kind of, him and Philip were kind of on the same wavelength. The only difference was, and we can't be too hard on these guys because we're the same way. We are the same way. There's just no doubt about it. The only difference was he brought Jesus what he had. He brought Jesus what he had. So... It's really easy for us, you know, to bring Jesus the great, huge things. You know, like if, uh, you know. And it wasn't that he just brought him this. He brought him all he had. He brought everything. Right. That's all that, that's all that they could muster was five loaves and two fish. I always want to say five fish and two loaves. But it's five loaves and two fish. If you're a great musician, it's easy to bring God your talent and say, God, here is my talent. Use it. If you're a great writer or a great, you know, pick whatever, great anything, it's easy to bring God that greatness and say, use my great ability. But when... Well, everybody has something, but when it's, when it's just kind of an insignificant thing, you think, well, Jesus can't use that. You know, like I can't do nothing. I can't. I can't sing. I can't preach. I can't talk real good. I can't witness. I can't. Can't teach. I can't. You know. I can't read. Is it? Did I say real? Are you? Are you the grammar Nazi? Well, grammar Nazis cannot sit on the front row. <laughs> okay. Well, it's easy to bring God the greatness that you have, but it's it's sometimes we think, well, what I got is just insignificant. God can't use it. And here, what we see is both disciples lacked faith. That what they should have said was, you got it under your control, you can do whatever you want. Okay? Now, 
That for, that's what they should have said, but how often do we actually say that when we're going through, you know, it's easy for you to give that advice though, isn't it? Like it's easy for me, you know, Dana's hurting. It's okay, Jesus has got it. He's going to take care of you. You know, it's easy for me to give that advice and that's good advice. But when I'm hurting, it's like, shut up, quit talking to me, man. It's like, yeah, I got it, just shut up. You don't understand what I'm going through. You don't understand what's happening in my life. That's how, it's just, it's a fight to trust, to hold on to that faith that Jesus has everything under control, that God has not left us and that everything's going on. And I think... In this passage, what we're going to see is the difference. We're going to see two responses. Uh, We're going to see how Jesus responded to the disciples and then to the crowd. And we're going to see how the crowd responded to Jesus and to the disciples. Okay, y'all pretend like that made sense for just a second. Okay, John 6, 10 through 13. Let me read it real quick. And Jesus said, make them sit down. Talking about the people, the crowd. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down. And likewise, of the fishes, as much as they would, which means as much as they wanted. Everybody got as much as they wanted. When they were filled, he said to the disciples, go gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with fragments of barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Okay? So not only did they feed 20 plus thousand people with five loaves and two fish, but it there were twelve baskets of loaves and fish left over. How do you think that worked? Like it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't actually say it just overflowed when Jesus gave thanks or it just kept coming when they were distributing. It doesn't exactly say, doesn't exactly say how it was multiplied. <coughs> yes. Do you have some? Have an idea? I have a question. Like, because none of the people, like, none of the, just the regular folks noticed anything so it seems like it was just about showing the disciples like they were the only ones who knew yeah no well i think they did know uh because they followed him across the we're going to see that in a little bit they followed him across the lake wanting more you know he was they, they they said you fed us yesterday we want we want to be fed again we want you to do we want you to keep doing this miracle for us and so we don't have to work and don't have to do anything we can just eat um, but we don't, you're right, we don't see them just getting in a big... Well, I'm just thinking, like, if it was just all at one time, then the, it would have been, like, the crowd was, like, amazed because, you know, all of a sudden there's, like, this huge pile Yeah. Well, at the end it says that they perceived that he was the prophet and they tried to make him a king. Uh, and, and I can only assume that's because of the miracle, not, not just because... Hey, I got a lot of fish I can give y'all. You know what I mean? So I think they... Huh? Go ahead. Like what could be the time frame that happened? I've never read anything that said, like what, you know, how how much time that this particular... Him feeding the 5,000, how long it took from them coming to him and, you know... I don't know. I don't know. I don't think it was long. I think it was in... I would, if I'm just hazarding a guess off the top of my head, um, I would think it was just in a day because... And that's what you think. I mean, that's how I... Right. 
it seems like that night is when the disciples go out on the boat in the storm and Jesus comes walking. I mean, that's the way it reads. And I might can look into that and find something a little pro or con either way. Showing them, it's like, you know, like the test here with Philip. It's like that so much through the gospel. You know, how many, like when they're in the storm in the boat and Jesus is asleep, you know, right. he gets up and they're wanting to go back or whatever. And, you know, so many times he asks them, Where are they? Yeah, oh, ye little faith. You have little faith. And if you don't, you see, you know, like he says, do you not remember? How many we fed. Right, that's exactly how many right. Fragments you took up. And that's just a constant. I know for me, uh, it's just, you know, you get somewhere, you know, you get lost. Like yeah. We're forgetful. Forgetful. And, you know, I've often said, I've often said, I remember teaching the Old Testament about the Jews going through the wilderness and, you know, they saw the manna fall from heaven. They saw the, the quail. They saw the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud. I mean, they actually visualized all this. And every other chapter, they're like, God, you've left us to die and we're going. You know, I mean, like, how many pillars of fire do you have to see to realize that, yes, God is real and he's going to, you know, prevail for us. But then as I grew and grew and grew, like mostly this way, but... Uh, but, uh, you know, I started seeing that in myself. You know, God would bring me through a trial and then here comes the next trial and all of a sudden, oh God, why have you left me? Why? You know, I'm doing the exact same thing that they do. And so you'll see that as the disciples get on the boat. I'm, I'm hoping to get through the part where next the disciples get into the storm. But answer the question that you had asked, you Fragments that were left over. Why do you think Jesus allowed? You know, had that, why do you, you know, why, why was that? Why was there stuff left over? You were asking the question on that. Yeah, are you gonna answer it? Well, I have a. I, I think I have an answer. Well, all we have is theories. All I have is a theory. Well, we I don't have, know for sure. Well, all I, I have mean, to fall back on is what the scripture says. What Jesus says, I'll supply your every need according to my riches and glory. Right. You know, because everything falls that. right back to what he does is to glorify the Father. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's exactly right. And I think also that uh, it was to show Philip and Andrew who thought it was impossible. I can't, you can't, with 20 grand or however much, 200 denarii, with all this money that a year's wage, you cannot feed all these people. And there's nothing we can do. Jesus took what Andrew brought him, which was nothing, probably a meal for one guy. And he fed all the people. Not only did he do what they said was impossible, but he had 12 baskets of food left over after they were, they didn't just all take a bite and everybody was like, okay, pass it along. They, they ate and they're filled until they were full. Right, right. You know, it's not just enough. It's more than enough. Like you just said, we, we get through this storm and, you know, the next one comes along and we just kind of, you know, where are you at now? What could our faith, what could it be if we, yeah, if yeah. we kept that doubt away and just never had no doubt? It seems like we're always struggling to keep our faith. You know, and, and we've talked about that before. We're struggling to 
the, the flesh inside us is always warring against the Spirit inside us. And it's, it's just constantly battling. And if that battle's not there, if you're not, the Spirit's not warring against the flesh, you know, then you probably need, to, probably need to examine your faith, whether it's real or not. Examine yourself whether you truly are a Christian or not. Um, one thing I want to point out before we get to talking some more and, and end this discussion is there's two responses that... Uh, to Jesus, we have one of the disciples and one of the crowd. Um, first, let's look at let's look at the crowd. Verse fourteen says, "Then those men, this is all the people that ate the food, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of truth that prophet that should come into the world.' Who is that prophet? I know it's Jesus, but who are they talking about? This is that prophet. The only reason I'm asking is because we talked about it like two or three weeks ago, huh? It was the Messiah." But who said there will be a prophet come? There will be a prophet coming to the world, and he, huh? That's true, but that's not. It was Moses. It was Moses said. God told, spoke through Moses and said, "There is a prophet coming. He will be like unto me, and you will listen to everything he says, and you will heed him." And this is what they were saying. This is the guy. This is the Messiah. So you were right, and you were right, and you were right. This is the guy that's coming to save Israel. This is the guy that's coming to make us uh, a nation again and kill all the Romans and feed us and do all these things. And verse fifteen says, "When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king." He departed again into a mountain himself alone. They knew he was the prophet. They wanted him as king, but they didn't want him as the kind of king that he was. They wanted him as the, hey, feed me some more bread and fish king. They wanted him as the, make me comfortable, make my life easy, give us what we need king. And the reason I say that, I'm not just making that up out of thin air. At the, end of, at the end of John chapter 6, these same people that ate the bread and the loaves are going to follow Jesus across the sea and they're going to talk to Jesus and say, give us some more of this bread that you gave us yesterday. And at the end of that discourse, which we'll probably end up looking at next week, at the end of all that discourse, Jesus is going to say, you guys just don't believe in me. So right here, these people who do not believe in Jesus, they do not believe, they believe that he is the prophet, they believe that he is the Messiah, they believe he is, they want to make him king, but they do not submit themselves to him. They do not trust him for their own lives. Does that make sense? Are y'all with me? How many people do you know? <clears throat> we can count them. You know, I uh, better not say that, but we can, I, I know people, let me just talk about myself. I know people who by their own testimony, not because I'm telling you what they are or what they aren't, but by their own testimony came and said, you know, Jesus is my king. Jesus is my Lord. He's my everything. He's my, and you know, they were happy and whatever in church and they were praising God and they were fellowshipping and serving and all that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden gone. Not just gone from this church, but gone from the faith. They don't, they don't serve God. They don't communicate with God. They don't love God. They don't, by their own testimony, they don't worship God. They, God never even enters into their thinking during the day, during the course of the week. It, it's just like, well, that was a phase I was going through. This is what is going on here. These people are like, we want this guy to be king, but we want him to be the kind of king that we want. I want him to be the kind of king that gives me all the stuff, you know, that makes me 
comfortable, that makes my life easy. Later on in this chapter, they're going to say, give us some more of that bread that you were given. And he says, he, when they find him, <clears throat> he says, um, you, uh, you seek me, you seek me not because you believe in me, but you seek me because you ate the loaves and you was filled. So these people did not trust in Christ. They just wanted a king. They just wanted a king that was going to fulfill all their needs and make them comfortable. Don't we, don't we do that sometimes? Even as believers, let's stop talking about the unbelievers now. But even as believers, it's like, you know, God, why, why are you doing this to me? Why are you doing this to me? I, I've been faithful to you. I've been, you know, we, we do all those things that don't count for a hill of beans. And we say, God, why are you doing this to me? Why am I going through this? I read something this week that was really profound. It said, it said, uh, well, it's real profound. I can't remember it. It was, it says, if you trust God, if you say that you trust God, but he let me down, then you didn't really trust God. You trusted God to meet your own agenda. Does that make sense? Like, you can't say, I trusted God, and then He dropped the ball and let me down because you didn't really trust God to do what He wanted. You trusted God to do what you wanted Him to do. See what I mean? Makes sense? And so, Jesus left. These, now, can you imagine this? Here I am. Jimmy is Jesus. Like, not really, but just play along. And yeah, but Jimmy is Jesus. And I say, Jesus, I want you to be king. And Jesus is like, that's what it says. Said Jesus went away. He said he just departed. He left when he thought they were going to make him king by force. Those men, when they had seen the miracle, this is the truth. This is the prophet. Verse 15. When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed. He left. And what we see the disciples do is, actually, you don't get it from John. The, but it, they just get into a boat and go. But in, uh, in Matthew 14, which is the same episode, Jesus commands the disciples to get in the boat and go. Not with him. He's going to the mountain to pray. He commands the disciples to get in the boat. So the disciples obeyed him where the crowd just wanted more food. Verse 16 says, And when even was now come, it was nighttime, his disciples went down to the sea and entered into a ship and went over the sea toward Capernaum. And it was dark and Jesus was not come to them. That means he hadn't come to them yet. And the sea arose, and by reason of a great wind that blew, so when they had rowed about five or twenty or thirty furlongs, it's three or four miles, they see they see Jesus walking on the sea and drawing nigh unto the ship, and they were afraid. Can you imagine? You're in the midst of a storm. Jesus has told you to get into the boat and go without him, and you're in the midst of the storm, and all of a sudden you see a figure come walking out on the water three or four miles offshore. You know, there is they're pretty freaking out. But he said unto them, It is I, be not afraid. Then they willingly received him into the ship, and immediately the ship was at the land whither they went. Now, does that mean it miracled there, or it just seemed like it? Uh, doesn't really say. But what I want you to see is, in the beginning, Jesus provided bread and fish for all these people. Right? 
And Jesus is the provider, so to speak. And here, in the midst of the disciples' needs, Jesus came and He provided for them in the trial that they were going through. In fact, it was Jesus that commanded them to get in the boat and go, so He knew that the trial was coming. And He, uh, another gospel, in the same episode, Jesus was in the mountain praying and he said, it says that He saw them battling on the ship and walked out on the water to them. And this is the episode where Peter stepped out of the boat, you know, in the other gospel. And all that happened right here. And so what what he's showing is that Jesus really is the king of creation. I mean, Jesus calmed the storm. He, you know, peace be still. He did all those things. But yet the disciples believed in him for him. See what I mean? They believed in Jesus because... I want to be with Jesus. Does that make sense? I want him to be king because I want him to rule over me. I want him to tell me what to do. I want him to be my master. I want him to be my Lord. I want him to own me. I want him to, you know, you pick your you pick your verb there. I want him to rule in my life and reign in my life. The crowd didn't want him to rule and reign in their life. They wanted comfort. They wanted bread. They wanted, and that's going to play out in the end of uh, chapter 6 as we keep on reading. Um, And I want you to also see that Jesus came to the disciples not because they were such great guys and had such strong faith. Because they didn't have strong faith. In the very episode, I mean, they were they were terrified. They were terrified of the storm. They were uh, unsure that Jesus was able to fulfill and feed the crowd. So if you're thinking, wow, I wish I had faith like the disciples, you probably do. <laughs> because they, they, it wasn't that big. It wasn't that big. It was Jesus that was that big. It was Jesus that provides. That's why we fight and we struggle to trust in Him when everything around us is telling us we can't trust in Him. Does that make sense? Questions or comments? Okay, moving on. I'm gonna try to get to. I'm gonna try to get to a few more verses. Man, I only got. This is a long chapter. I could have broke it up in four different deals, but I spent the whole month on John six. Huh? Well, it probably would. 22, verse 22. This is where the people return. What, I got a book or something? Okay. Okay. The day following when the people which stood on the other side of the sea, who are these people? The ones he fed. The ones he fed. When they stood on the other side of the sea, they saw that there was no other boat there save that one which the disciples were entered. And Jesus went not with his disciples into the boat, but that his disciples were gone away alone. That's one big long run on sentence. Howbeit there came there, there came other boats from Tiberias nine to the place where they did eat the bread. That means he's saying more boats were coming. So verse twenty four. When the here's the point. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, neither his disciples, they also took shipping, which means they got into boats and came to Capernaum seeking for Jesus. Okay, the disciples went across the sea. Jesus walks across the water to the disciples. And then they get where they're going. And now the crowd, seeing that they're gone, they're following after Jesus in boats. And it says, And when they had found him, verse 25, on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when comest thou hither? When did you get here? 
Now, I want you to hear all this stuff I've been saying about the crowd not believing and all this stuff. This is where we're going to get most of this. It's like Jesus, when they asked him, the question they asked was, when did you get here? Okay, so the answer you would expect is, I got here last night. I got here, you know, whenever, you know, don't worry about when I got here or anything like that. It's almost like Jesus doesn't even answer their question. He doesn't even want to, I mean, he doesn't even want to, he says, basically, he says, verse, uh, what is it, 26? He says, Jesus answered them. He answered the question, when did you get here? And he said, verily, verily, which means truly, truly, amen, amen. I say unto you, you seek me not because you saw the miracles, implying you see the works of the Messiah, you believe in the Messiah, but you did eat of the loaves and you were filled. He's saying, all you want is for me to fill your belly. You, you, it's, you're not seeking me because you know that I am Lord and I am King and I am the Messiah and I have come to set you free. And I, you're not seeking me for all that. You're seeking me for me to give you some more food, give you some more bread. How many people I can think of, man, I can think of a bunch just that I know that have come and they come to church. Um, they show up in church and it's, it's like... They have a new, they have a new aspect, a new uh, outlook on faith and all this, and come to find out, you know, the wife left, and that, you know, it's like Jesus, I want my wife back. So you're coming to him, not for him to be Lord, and not for you know him to rule in your life, and not for not for him to save you from your sins. You're coming to him because only God can bring my wife back, you know. And this is as an actual example. And then when when God was gracious to him, I'm talking about gracious to this guy, and his wife did come back. And then what happened? Can you guess? He was gone. He was gone. Gone. God gave him what he wanted. You know, God's gracious and merciful. Out the door he went. I hadn't seen him since. And this was, you know, from his own mouth. I, I want my wife back. Uh, so he says, you, you, you don't seek me because I'm the Messiah, because you saw the miracles and you know that that's what the Messiah was coming to do. You seek me because you got your belly full and now you want me to fill your belly again. Verse 27 says, this is this is the command. He says, labor not for the meat which perishes, but for that meat which endures unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall given to you for him hath God the Father sealed okay now the meat Jesus is gonna let me just simplify it because I'm running out of time in from 26 down to 36 Jesus is basically gonna tell them I am the bread what they're gonna want is more bread they're gonna want they're gonna want more food they're gonna want Jesus to make them some more you know back then you think back then you had to work to eat like I mean you still have to work to eat but there back then there was no welfare government assistance there was no you know if somebody in your family didn't go to work that day you didn't eat that night simple as that there wasn't no refrigerators to store food. There wasn't no, wasn't none of that. If if somebody didn't go out and steal or earn some bread, your family did not eat that night. And so all these people have just found this miracle worker who can make bread come out of thin air. 
We want Him to rule over us. We want Him to be our King. We want, I mean, let's just follow Him. He's got bread. He can make it just come. We don't, we don't have to do anything anymore. We don't have to worry about working. We don't have to worry about where our next meal is coming from. We don't have to worry about all this stuff. He's going to do that. And Jesus is telling them, you're not seeking me. You're not seeking me because of me. You're seeking me because of what I can give you. Now, so often, people, we do, I catch myself doing it all the time. We love God not for who God is, but for what He can do for me. And if we think God ever drops the ball in our life, what happens? Well, I'm mad at you, God. You didn't give me what I needed. You didn't help me when I... Got news for you. God don't owe you nothing. He don't owe you nothing. He don't even owe you salvation. I mean, He didn't owe you an opportunity. You know the angels that fell? He didn't give them an opportunity to be redeemed. They're just where they are. Just stuck. You know? But He gave us an opportunity to be redeemed. He gave, you know, He came to you. You're sitting here. You're, you know, you've trusted in Him. Or maybe you're thinking about trusting in Him. Um, God doesn't owe us anything. But yet He's so merciful and so good to us. So what He was telling these people, uh, basically He says, you don't, don't work for the bread. Right now you're looking for bread that's going to perish. You know, you're going to eat it and then, I mean, you know what happens after you eat it. Right? It's going gonna, it's gonna to go away. And guess what's going to happen? The next day, you're going to have to have some more. And it, you know, the best meal you've ever had in your life. You, you go to bed that night, you wake up, and what happens? You're hungry again. Hungry again. Don't work for those things that don't last. You work for the meat that endures to eternal life. He's going to talk about himself. He's going to say, I am the bread of life here in just a moment. Um, now, what he's saying is not, hey, don't eat. Because, I mean, you can tell I didn't get that lesson out of it, you know, not to eat. But what he's saying is your focus should not be on your physical comfort and your physical needs and all these. Your focus should be on me because I've got all that other taken care of. The disciples never, it says that he, he'll supply your every need. The verse you quoted, he'll supply your every need according to his riches and glory. If that's true, if I believe that, he will supply my every need according to his riches and glory. If I trust that, what in the world do I have to worry about when it comes to my need? Does that mean he's going to buy me a Rolls Royce? No. Mm, probably not. Now, here's something that really practical. When you're looking for a house, do you need a house? Some of y'all scared to answer. Yes, you need shelter. <laughs> shelter is a shelter is a need. Now, is it maybe the five hundred thousand dollar house? No, maybe not. But when you when we when I can remember looking for a house and we were fighting to trust God. God's going to provide us a house. I mean, we have to pay for it, but you know what I mean. He's going to provide us the right house. He's going to, if you're looking for a job, God's going to provide a job. Do you need a job? Yes, you, that is a need. That's not a want. That's not something I wish I had. That's a, may not be the greatest one in the world that you love, order, but He will provide for your every need. And if that's so, what in the world do we have to worry about? Why do we worry about the things of life? Jesus said, you don't worry about what you're going to eat. He said, you don't worry about what you're going to wear. He said that God clothes the lilies of the field and he feeds the sparrows. And how much more does he love you than he loves them? And so 
Jesus is showing here that he's, he's the provider, but He's not here just to provide bread and fish for you. He's not here just to provide comfort and well-being. He's here to provide Himself. And him, with Himself comes all the needs of this life, comes all the care of this life. He, he's going to take care of all those things. Let me read a couple more and then we're gone. It says... Um, 28 says, then, then said they unto him, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus did just say, I want you to not work for food, not work for bread that perishes, but work for the gift that endures to the eternal life. Work for the meat that endures into eternal life. And their question is, what must we do to work the works, plural, of God, the works? What should we be doing? And Jesus answered them. I love it's my favorite sentence. It says, This is the work, singular, not works. This is the work of God that you what? Believe. That you believe on whom he sent. Simple as that. And what do they say? They say, Show us a sign. It's like, dude, didn't y'all just eat? Like, wasn't it just 5,000 of y'all eating from five loaves and two breads? Show us a sign. And then they tell him what kind of sign they want. Verse 31. Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it is written. He gave them bread. So what do they want? They want more bread. They want more food. They want... And so Jesus corrects them. He says, Jesus said, Verily, verily, amen, amen, I say to you, Moses didn't give you that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of heaven, which is he that cometh down from heaven, talking about himself, and gives life to the world. And then... He is the bread, right. And then they said, which, I mean, you think the crowd's kind of, they kind of dim right here. It says, verse 34, it says, And then they said, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And you say the crowd's kind of dim, but I mean, how often do we, it's never enough. We are never satisfied. Oh, you're right. And that's what he's saying there is that no matter how much he gave, no matter what he did, it was never enough. And we're still like that. I mean, he can give... You know, like you've said... What have you done for me today? Right, well, it's like you've said a thousand times. Every moment of every day that he is not showing the wrath that we deserve, he has done something. You know, he has done a big thing, right? That's right. That's what we deserve. He's given a gift. But it's still not enough. Yeah, it's not enough. And the crowd here, they they had their minds set as to what they wanted. And if Jesus did not give them exactly what they wanted then he wasn't doing good by them. He wasn't doing right by them. And they even, when he tried to correct them and say, look, you know, uh, Moses, you know, he, he said, what did he say? Now here I am. He says, this is the work of God. Just believe on who you, when he's trying to tell them, this is what you got to do. You got to believe on me. You got to trust in me, not in the things that I can do for you. The next words out of their mouth. Well, show us a sign. Yeah, give me a sign. Uh, anyway, I got to hurry up. Okay, so Jesus corrects them saying, Moses didn't give you the bread, God did. And so what they're saying here in 34 is, okay, we got all that. Just keep us satisfied. Give us bread all the time so we don't have to worry about life. 
You know, like I said, if you didn't work that day, your family didn't eat that night. So give, just, just give us this bread. That's all we care about, really, is the bread. And Jesus said, and this is where we're going to end. Jesus told them again, you must believe in me. He says, but he, and he specifically looks, he looks these people right in the eye and says, you do not believe in me. Verse 35 and 6, it says, and Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. And verse 36 says, but I said unto you that you also have seen me and you believe not. So the next, the end of uh, chapter 6 is going to be Jesus explaining why this crowd doesn't believe and talking to his disciples. We'll hit that next week. But the point of all this was Jesus is the provider. So let's not say Jesus is, you know, let's not, let's not downplay the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. But the real thing that he provides is himself. And when you have him, then you have everything that you need. And if you're running around seeking your own comfort and, you know, thinking Jesus did me wrong because he didn't give me what I wanted, uh, you probably not got the same Jesus that we're talking about here in chapter 6. Okay? Let's pray. Lord, we love you, God. I thank you for your mercy and your blessing. I thank you for all that you do, God. I just praise you for, for just giving us your word and letting us look deep into it, showing us, you, showing us who you are. Father, I just, uh, I pray that you would, uh, that you'd be with us as we go into your service, God, as we go in to worship you and to praise you and to thank you for all that you've done for us, God, for everything that you are. Lord, we love you, God, and I just, uh, I thank you for, I thank you for giving us this opportunity to praise you and, and just worship you, Father. Thank you for being our provider. Thank you for giving us yourself, and thank you for supplying our every need according to your riches and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Cool. It's, we'll finish up. Uh, we'll finish.